The consumer though today has become so much more knowledgeable. It's almost like buy to order. It's the consumer knows what they want to buy. And their loyalty, I would say, is not what it used to be. So if they have a brand that they're quite loyal to and you don't have the product they want, they'll go somewhere else. Hello, I'm Matt Rubel, and this is Retails from the Frontline, and we are on the front line. We are at the big show at the National Retail Federation here in New York City with 40,000 people who have come from all over the world to hear about what is going on in the retail world, and actually with a big focus on technology and the speed of change. And we have two of the leaders with us who are on top of all of those changes. One is a friend of ours for many years, and that is Greg Petro, who is the founder and the CEO of First Insight. And and then we have Sean Coxell, who is the president of Lee & Fung. Lee & Fung is one of the oldest companies, trading companies out of Asia, who knows where and how to make things and does it better than anybody else in the world. And Sean is helping to reinvent the supply chain and different things that we have been bringing to all of our consumers over the many, many years. Sean, welcome to uh, New York City. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, it's great to be here and see some excitement going on on the front end. That's right. So, Greg, I want to start with you. You write a column for Forbes and do a lot of interesting things, but what are the six or seven big ideas that you see really moving us forward as we move into your vision of 2020? Yeah. So thank you, Matt, for inviting me. Uh, excited to be here. And obviously, there's a lot of opportunities going into 2020. Certainly one of the big things that we're all huge unknown on depending upon which side of the fence you sit, is the upcoming election in November. And so predicting consumer spend is going to be very difficult. But one of the things that I've written about in the beginning is I think we might find that it surprises us as it has for the last several years. We've always had the folks out in the marketplace talking about what the challenges are going to be and we had to have hit the headwinds at some point and the, continue, the economy continues to gain momentum. I think that that's driven off of some of the factors of productivity that comes through technology and where our overall economy is in the global market, in fact. Even amongst all the challenges that we're facing, we can see a momentum continue to build. And I think- uh, And so it, what are the key things that are building that momentum? Yeah, so the key factors are the consumer's driving it, obviously, but they're driving it based upon the engagement with the differentiation in product. Product differentiation is gaining momentum as the single greatest factor of why to exist, whether it be a retailer, brand, manufacturer. It is the differentiation of the products that companies need to have a reason for being. Oh, okay, but let's pause on that because I think differentiated product becomes more important in a ubiquitous distribution of media that happens through the digital world. So everybody sees everything. So now let's fast forward to Sean over here and say, okay, now all the retailers want everything differentiated. You're the conduit to the manufacturer. Can the manufacturers actually do that? Can they set up their lines to move as fast and change as fast as this new demand-driven and segmented economy is desiring? Yeah, Matt, I, I think uh, the absolute answer is yes. I mean, if you 
If you actually look at the time it makes to make a single garment from start to finish, it's about 20 hours. Uh, and most of that time would be spent drying the fabric after the dyeing. But of course, we don't make product like that. Uh, almost like a baton race where we spend weeks and weeks and weeks. Quite frankly, I think the vendors are totally on board with this change. But a huge amount of process needs to change at the retailers. Uh, so the aside. process needs to change. Absolutely. Not, now, is the technology there to enable the process? Yes, I think so. So let me, let me tell you a bit of a story. Daniel uh, Garita, who is the CEO of Tommy Hilfiger, had great insight to create the first digital showroom. He created the showroom and basically wanted their wholesale customers to go in and actually buy their whole collection from there. And one particular day I walked into a room and I found our team drastically sort of photographing garments and touching them up on the computer. And I said, what are you doing? And they said, we're, we're making them look digital. And I said, well, why on earth did we waste the last 16 weeks making all these samples? Why didn't we use the 3D technology? Today, we can use 3D. We can make photorealistic looking product. We have our new collaboration with First Insight, which we're very excited about, where we can push that out. And within 48 hours, we can actually get feedback on the product. Uh, so even before we make a single sample these days, we can actually make sure the product is, is what the consumers want to buy. And then, as I say, we can ah, send the manufacturer. so wait, up. so you yeah. mean you're making digitally a faux garment? That's correct. You're then yes. moving it through First Insights technology, yes. which basically will put it up against other garments and different prices in an assortment and throw it out in a test. Absolutely, yes, yes. And I think what's exciting about what First Insight are doing is they, they know a lot about the consumer to know whether that consumer has good taste. And if they do have good taste and they vote on the product, then obviously they get a higher rating. If the consumer doesn't have much of a taste in the product and they vote for it, then we give it a lower weighting. So by the time we get their feedback, it's very, very relevant. There may be a bit of vernacular here. You know whether the consumer has good taste or bad taste? <laughs> well, maybe, or we just... should, uh, maybe we should let Greg answer that question yeah, so... as to how that's done. Well, I think Sean put it well, but talking about it in maybe a different vernacular, it's, it's about their ability to predict a group's behavior right. in identifying the demand or the desires of that group. So when you think about the taste level of what a merchant does, it is trying to interpret the market itself in products and curate it down. And these folks, to Sean's point, have been able to demonstrate through the process and technology that they can do that. And whether that's a tastemaker or somebody who has a predictable nature, we're able to find and make it relevant. But in the end, it's making an actionable information so that the manufacturer, along with their design partners, can bring the right products to market to reduce waste. So this is fantastic. We'll get back to the waste portion of it in a second. So you're actually able to go out and create panels of people who are, based on back testing more predictable of future performance than other panels of people. That is fully accurate, but we do it in real time. We actually do it at the same instance that they're making the predictions. Our technology has grown in sophistication that we can actually do it at the same instance that we're engaging with. So these are, the these are not influencers, but they are, in fact, influencing that which we will end up going to Sean to help him find the right manufacturing for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And then, Sean, do you, 
just work with very specific factories and brands to bring that to life? And how do you kind of connect? Because that'll just create coming back to uh, a better ecosystem and a better world, less waste, less markdowns, better margin. Yeah, I mean, the answer is that what we're doing is creating what we call the responsive supply chain. Meaning that you responsive know, and responsible. That's right. Yeah. Meaning that we should really not be making product that people don't want to buy. You know, what really happened, Matt, is the world changed. I mean, we used to live in a sort of um, buy the stock market where brands and retailers would spend weeks creating something, creating product, using their judgment and their instinct. And then they would push it out and they would say to us, would you like to buy it? And we used to sort of go and vote whether we did or not. The consumer, though, today has become so much more knowledgeable. It's almost like buy to order. It's the consumer knows what they want to buy. And their loyalty, I would say, is not what it used to be. So if they have a brand that they're quite loyal to and you don't have the product they want, they go somewhere else. So this will be the only way to work. You know, we will not be able to afford to spend the 20 or 30 weeks that people normally spend on this creating product and then wait and see if people like it or not. But so creativity and design... Does this kind of process stifle creativity and design not. No. or does it enable it, enables it? it? Yeah. In, in what way? Because, I mean, there are some things that designers will make. So I'm going to only make a hundred of those because well, that's going to be my pinnacle I mean, product. With a 3D technology, you can create assets very, very easily. Variations because you're not making physical samples. You're not actually once you've created that first block, that first iteration, it's very easy to then iterate on it. And then we can send that over to Greg and he can test hundreds of products if that's what people want to do. So I would say, no, it's, it's enabling design. It's enabling for people to think out of the box as well and create new kinds of products. When we first started First Insight 12 years ago, there was a belief system that this process and technology might move people towards a risk mitigation strategy and less designs and creativity and what to Sean's point, it in fact, in, in companies and partners that we're working with, is flourishing the design piece. People are getting more and more creative and then mitigating the risk by testing it to understand what we missed in the design, what the consumer wants in the design, to go back and reiterate. And because, to Sean's point, there are weeks and weeks that can be reduced in this process by doing this through a digitization platform as opposed to a physical sample. And then designers, when they have the building blocks, can get broader in their creativity. Speaking of that, it's the necessity, as we just talked about, to bring these unique products, which also amplifies their risk. And we're seeing it in the marketplace. I wrote about it back last year, and and we've documented a number of them, whether it was a Gucci blackface, uh, the Macy's fat shaming, or Bistroy hoodie. Those things were pretty negatively received. Yeah, they were, they were brought to market with a creative, I think, idea. Nobody's bringing a product to market to offend people, but they don't necessarily understand how it could be viewed. Your technology has actual feedback mechanisms or just buy-sell, meaning no, no. we're selling more or we're selling less. All of the feedback mechanisms necessary for the design team to understand that can be mitigated before they've ever brought it to market and put it on a shelf. Okay, so we've got technology. I think Sean was talking earlier about process and getting process changed, which implied in that is meaning 
getting people to do things differently. Absolutely, yeah. So what's the biggest challenge in getting people to do things differently, training people? We've got 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 50-year-olds, all in the workplace, and you want them to do things differently. What are some of the challenges that you're having with that? And what are you doing at Lian Fung through technology and through training to actually reinvent that? I think the biggest problem is a mindset. It's very hard for people to change. I mean, I've been in the industry nearly 40 years and we're still doing the same things that we did when I started. So trying to get people to think in a new way. What's quite interesting is that there are some new unicorn companies. There's a company in the UK called The Hut Group. They sell online a variety of different products. If you go and meet with them, it's like speaking a different language. And they totally embrace all this new technology. They totally understand So 3D. what do they do? Give me some for instances. Well, they actually, they, they used to sell video cassettes and tape cassettes online and they got disrupted when streaming came along. But they realized that they were, they actually, they were good at selling online. So they thought, what other products can we sell? So they found that protein powder, believe it or not, uh, was something that, that was wanted a lot in Asia and people actually wanted to buy powder that was produced in the UK. So they bought a company called MyProtein. And when they bought the company, they had a $20 million turnover. And in five years, they now have a $450 million turnover selling all over Asia. They recently launched a beauty line and have had the same success. They launched a new clothing line. Implied in that is that they're just closer to what the consumer That's wants. That's right. Absolutely. And they've yeah. really found a method to get close to the consumer. So For sure. building a big business comes back to the same basic premise, which is make what somebody desires totally. and wants yeah. and then deliver it conveniently and at a price that's appropriate. Yeah. So we talk a lot about the planet. And so how many garments and items does Lee and Fung oversee that are made? Well, in totality, uh, it's probably about a billion garments. But one thing that I'm very focused on right now is the denim category. If you think about a sustainability problem, denim is probably the worst problem that you can have. We waste thousands of liters of water making one garment. We use an old process, uh, which is very bad for the people making the product because they're sanding all the, all the design into the garment. We're using a lot of chemicals. At Li and Fung, we've created a whole new sustainable denim uh, way of, of working. And we're, we're very passionate now about uh, trying to help our customers to actually have more sustainable product. So, as I say, I think a lot of the solutions are there. I think it's the processes and the mindsets that have to change. There are several companies that are embracing that, but it's not easy because you've got a lot of history and a lot of people. In fact, Greg was saying one of the things that's quite interesting about working with First Insight is people don't learn from it. We get feedback on design, and then the next season, the designers do the same thing again. So it's almost like they don't want to learn. But I truly believe that they won't have a choice because if they don't change, these companies will, will go out of business. Yeah. Because to your point, the, the consumer knows what they want and the companies that don't give that to them quickly won't be relevant anymore. I think most of the change that we see in our industry today and that we're experiencing today has been driven by the consumer at a, at a growing rate and it's only going to accelerate. Absolutely. So I think at the end of the day, to Sean's point, the changes are going to come and be driven by the consumer. A tipping point that occurred in our entire industry was the smart device. Mm. Uh, in, mm. the, in the power shifted at that point, and the adoption to what they want needs to be, as you said, Matt, 
the intimacy of understanding the consumer, that will be a core competency to the winning retailers and brands in the, in the future. Right. And it really goes back to the old days. One of the things that's come across very clearly in some of the discussions from very knowledgeable people in, in the opening of 2020, a new decade, is not just about that technology and process change enable speed, but the change of enabling speed is much, much faster. I think the name of your company, Greg, is really quite thoughtful because it is the first insight of a consumer and then pulling that insight back into what Sean is enabling, which is the supply chain. You guys are doing some amazing things to pull these two worlds together. And I loved being with both of you today, discussing the speed of change in this great world that we live in and things that we're enabling to make it more sustainable, more consumable, easier access, and bringing multiple worlds together, whether it's from the United States or from Asia, and doing it in a fun-spirited way in retail. I'm Matt Rubel. I'm with Sean Coxell and Greg Petro. We're at the National Retail Federation here in New York City with Vision 2020. And this is Retails from the Frontlines.